Hola, que tal amigos? Welcome to another episode of Academics on Amigos. I am your host, Anthony Ramirez. We have a great episode today. This week I interview Laura Donnelly, who is the CEO and founder of Latinitas, a nonprofit organization based in Austin. So with that being said, let's get started. What's up, everyone? How's it going? Welcome to another episode of Academics and Amigos. I am very honored to have this next guest with me. Um, I first want to give a quick shout out to my advisor, Dr. Shrevi Ramasubramanian, for connecting um, our next guest and I together. We had met um, my first semester here at Texas A&M at the Namely Media Literacy Conference. And I was like some artist or something there. And um, Laura Donnelly, who is the guest today, um, was one of our guest speakers at the, at the conference. And that's how we met there um, through, through my advisor, Dr. Shrevi. And so, Laura, how are you doing? Hey, hey, great. Thanks, Anthony. I know I'm trying to think back to that panel. I feel like the topic was maybe, uh, you know, I think it was like media persons or media projects that had, you know, social justice impact, I think, if I recall. I just remember the theme was media literacy. I I, I remember that, but I remember like the, the full, um, the, like, like the main subject or mini subjects or sub subjects of it. But yeah. Um, Also, let me mention too, um, like you're the co-founder and CEO of Latinitas, which is um, what we're going to be talking about today in uh, the podcast. And it's a nonprofit organization in Austin or based in Austin because there's a lot mm-hmm. of subsidiaries in uh, throughout the nation that I was seeing on your website. And I thought that is so cool. And um, so, yeah, I'm super excited to have this conversation. Yeah, I, can, I mean, I could just share the origin. What is Latinitas? I, I so appreciate that you're pronouncing it. Could you imagine when I have to call to, you know, check for our internet service, the struggle? Can we've been called the Latinistas? And, oh my you know, we've had Cuban board members that were like, whoa, 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 hold it up, hold up. But, um, it, you know, it, it started, the origin was, uh, it, uh, you know, it was in a class. It was through an academic space. Um, there was a prescribed group of, you know, of, of uh, subjects, uh, projects to work on for that class. The focus was Latinos in media, create some media that was going to be beneficial to Latinos. Um, you know, my last name is Donnelly. I'm from New York. I grew up in New Jersey. I am almost all Irish, but I had this wonderful benefit of uh, a very multicultural family. So growing up with cousins and extended family who are, who are Cuban and, and Peruvian, um, that was our world. Being so close, I mean, New, jo- New York and New Jersey are so near each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and being able to uh, interact, like engage in each other's cultures. So, you know, when I moved to Texas as an adult, I went back to school, I'm in this class, I'm definitely seeking like, what am I gonna, what's my next step? Um, I don't think I'm gonna, and I wasn't meshing well with traditional media back then. <laughs> and, uh, and then I meet this other person who equally shares this mission to maybe see a more uh, diverse reflection of identities in media um, that I had grown up with Latinas that were different than maybe the Latinas that were we were seeing on magazine covers or were projected as the Latina. Um, my co-founder had grown up in El Paso, uh, was born in Mexico. And so it was a real kismet. Um, we meet and originally we wanted a magazine. We were like, okay, so there, there's very little media out there that is showing the real accurate 
perceptions, identities, um, positives of, of being a Latino woman or girl. So we start to develop the content and the structure of that. But what really evolved was uh, this other part, this nonprofit part, this outreach part where we wanted the girls involved with the production. And so Latinitas, the nonprofit came from that. It is, and also can, in some ways could, is a greater part of what we do that we, we didn't just want to make the media. We wanted to make, create the space where um, girls would not only um, learn the tools to self-publish and self-produce, but that they get a handle on the technology and that, and, and that what storytelling tools were coming down the pipeline to, to accurately represent themselves and their culture. I think that's wonderful because um, I, I focus on representation within my research as well. And I feel that representation is so important, especially teaching someone at a young age like that. So how old are participants of Latinitas? So, you know, the youngest Latinitas are nine. We wanted to make sure they could write. Okay. And we and we did conduct some programs where um, where we were going to do out. We were going to teach the magazine publishing, video podcasting. Then you know now we you know we as I said we foray into tech where they're learning virtual reality, coding, three uh, D printing. But some of those original meetings we wanted them to write. And oh my god, we learned quickly like a second grader. You know, you say, "Hey, fill out your name," and they just have a panic and just, <laughs> they're not there yet. So. Um, or if they make a website and it doesn't publish, you know, they cry. So wow. third grade was a great start at point. Um, they were a little more mature and they go, you know, the programs go all the way up to 18. Um, Latinitas does a traditional program, after school programs, uh, camps. Uh, we do weekend workshops where the whole family's involved. And then of late, we are doing more teen certification programs because we want to just keep you know, building that pipeline. So in coding and in journalism. So we, again, media and tech are the, the I mean, right now, the most powerful tools for, uh, you know, educating yourself, changing social attitudes, influencing social justice. So we felt like, I, I think we were fortunate we picked two vehicles that were uh, sustainable and also uh, really flexible and adaptable. But um, about 2,000 girls meet a year wow. through Latinitas programs um, that is growing with a virtual format. And since our origin in 2002, we probably met with over 40,000 girls. So that's just, that's just pure hustle, Anthony. That's because that was that was students working together, getting other students to volunteer. I mean, eventually it became our jobs, but it was it was about uh, a lot of people who were maybe a long time waiting for something that was going to be um, more intensely focused on, you know, BIPOC or Latinx empowerment. That's wonderful. I think that's amazing, uh, like work that you all are doing. And, you know, I have I grew up in a family full of educators. And so I, I've seen. <laughs> um the impact that these type of after school programs can have um on on students um particularly young women too um because i've seen and heard from my my mom and my aunts you know you know young girls who are struggling and and they end up going through some dark you know dark pass or go down some dark roads and stuff like that that um you know have an effect on them later in life and so to see a program like Latinitas exist I think that that's 
like powerful stuff because you know like you just mentioned media and technology are are intersecting in ways that nobody would have thought in in like 10 years ago or way you know 15 years ago or when i you know when when we were younger for sure for sure like when i was a kid i remember the first Macs were coming out or like early Macs were coming out and that's where we would learn how to type, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so now to see how a program like yours is teaching how to do journalism, virtual reality, 3D printing and, and, and podcasting, like, like, like what we're doing right now, like, like content creation in this aspect is awesome. And I've always felt personally that I can see how academia can also go hand in hand with that, you know, that um, there's the content creation aspect of it and uh, ac- the academic aspect. And that's the reason why I also wanted to create a podcast like this too, to, to, you know, educate others and to, to show um, the, the trajectories that people have with one another as well, you know, or have with their profession. Mm-hmm. Um, and how important storytelling is right like oh, yes. we're learning that in academia we're learning that in the professional setting mm-hmm. and of course um with you know it's latinitas is working in 21st century tech mm-hmm. that's very appealing you know there's a whole culture of like we gotta get these kids into stem and so you know what we do has a real appeal i think in this it's a, to me a very superficial way mm-hmm. to those that pull the strings but what 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 we're really doing is that they use it to express themselves. They're using it to find their voice. They're using it to f- to define and solve the problems maybe they're facing or their micro community is facing or their you know their family of origin is facing. Uh, so it's it, yes, yeah, STEM is great, knowledge is great, but without the meaning, without uh you know what fuels creativity what's the point of doing it or if it doesn't have any impact on your on your day-to-day life as a you know and latina girls right now uh, there's so much range in what that might that identity might be but there certainly were some um there was consensus on uh some experiences and and especially in the in the past four to five years uh rhetoric that is coming at you know, kids, mm-hmm. uh, they were the, the tra- trauma directed at them. Um, the cultural headwinds of someone who, you know, might have, have born in the U.S., but maybe her parents weren't mm-hmm. and are not documented yet. So there's, I think there's something really important about Latinitas. Um, maybe when we were asked, like, why are you doing, why just, why, why the focus? Mm-hmm. Why are you prioritizing Latina and other girls of color? It's like, well, they are dealing with the, the, the normal layer of teen stress and angst. And then these other layers that even adults are really have a hard time managing um, the emotional uh, burden that maybe they're experiencing of uh, even uh, being the only translator in their household. So, and all the, and you know, those stories are, um, they can be very invisible. Mm-hmm. You know, we're based in Austin, Texas. Austin has this outward progressive personality image. We're known for things like South by Southwest and Austin City Limits music and hipster cowboys, whatever, you know, whatever else is projected <laughs> from here. Um, and yet, uh, you know, our largest youth population, 80% of our incoming kindergarten is Latinx. Mm-hmm. 
you can be in Austin in many different pockets of Austin that I'm describing and not even know that. So the community can be invisible. Uh, Their experiences can be invisible. And so that, that was what we were doing. We're kind of mining that Um, and then making, you know, making it into power and that there's, the girls are doing it with each other. They're doing it through a media um, format. They can, they can show it. They can, they can kind of demonstrate it in a creative way. They can get feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I do matter. My p- voice is important. I do belong here. I, I, have, I have a means to also uh, maybe object mm-hmm. when some of that, you know, that rhetoric was coming at them that was just uh, vicious. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. And you mentioned some of the projects that you you've done, like in turn, like like we've mentioned throughout this conversation so far. And I'm curious, like, how big an impact did the pandemic have on Latinitas? Um, did it change some of the formats of, of the way you go about things? I'm 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 sure like the in person things were just like, like yeah, uh, yeah. Or- I think communities of color founded or led or prioritizing prioritizing uh, organizations. We found something happened that uh, was in in some ways like a a COVID blessing. Light was shed on tech, economic, education, health disparities that had been there the whole time we've been in existence, at least the 20 years we've been around Mm -hmm. and prior to that. Um, And so we were all we all had a shared experience of that being noticed, some action being taken, whether it was even in a very simple way of, um, you know, schools providing hotspots and computers just on that basic level Mm -hmm. uh, that not everybody had that available to them automatically in in homeschooling. So that was helpful to us. Uh, Not only that they were, you know, more kids were able to get some access at home, but that uh, the city, state, country is actually noticing um, not everybody has the same. Uh, You can't assume that everyone has an iPad. Uh, or more than one, um, or that they're not sharing a phone for their internet access. So that was very powerful for us. And then when, at the same time, we knew uh, families that, you know, come to Latinitas were going to be hit the hardest by COVID. We had already seen it coming, right? In other cities, you see New Orleans, you see Black families were just getting pulverized by this. Um, There were higher rates of infection and death. And so we had some foresight too. So we kind of like got ready uh, and doubled down. And so in doing that, we, we just, everything was virtual. We increased um, the frequency of those visits. Uh, we made almost, you know, most of the programming at Latinitas is free. Mm-hmm. I think some of our peers that, you know, maybe in their materials, they're saying, oh, we're serving black and brown communities. But are you serving them? If you are charging six to seven hundred dollars a week for camp, and they, you know, the majority of that community is living at a certain, you know, a socioeconomic level, right. are you really? Are the is that who you're really targeting? So we we normally always had a mostly free, almost entirely no, low cost programs. Um, but if we did have a cost program, we lowered it even more, or it was free. So increasing virtual camps, increasing virtual coding school. Um, 
we actually, some new things came about. The parents needed some IT in Espanol. You know, they were oh, wow. having to learn Zoom if they hadn't before. They were having to fix, a, you know, their Chromebook if they hadn't before. So we did a, we've launched a series of videos of just the basics um, in Spanish. So some new things came out. I think that's just the nature of organizations like Latinitas. You're working maybe with communities that where transportation or, as I said, like tech disparities were an issue all along. Um, so we were kind of ready for this. A lot of agencies found that they maybe they were okay with the Spanish language capacity they had in serving the, the Latino community in Austin. But this kind of just blew that away because they could no longer speak through the child. Um, so a lot of what we were already doing like really came in handy. And so increased programs, some of them by 50%. And the girls showed up. Like, I think that was our, I just commend the staff for like, because they worked hard and they worked more than they were probably compensated for um, in their full-time position. The transi- transitioning the lessons, um, being present online, making sure they called families because, you know, how do you incentivize kids to come when, you know, the, the whole economic situation was just upturned at home? So mm-hmm. super powerful, right? So we served more and then we served wider. So we, we had a one-day conference where they used 21st century tech to solve a problem. Some kids signed up in California. Some are coming from Pennsylvania, New Jersey. And we've gone even as far as like Costa Rica, of course, Mexico, Colombia, Brazil. Um, We do like a, yeah. So that's been super interesting that it's, again, I call it like a COVID blessing Mm -hmm. while it was harder in some ways, because there's also, you know, I'm kind of like, it's hard to articulate how, how anxious um, these children were, um, I think they, they were just so hungry also to socialize. So sometimes we were creating that virtual space just so they could see each other and, and fool around with each other. And, uh, we actually had one club that launched its own club. So they meet for the club and they'll do their activity and they'll make their, you know, virtual reality project or whatever. And then they meet after socially. So, you know, they're young. It's kind of interesting that they're, they're adapting, um, but we also kind of maybe opened up that opportunity. So, so it has like, it's taken us to this new place and now can we leverage this national expansion for um, in, in, in uh, a virtual geography to a physical geography. So that's what we're, COVID, uh, COVID is a real, like if you're a problem solver, like COVID is probably a real entertaining for you. <laughs> I do feel like we're like, are we pivoted? We're pivoting again and we're pivoting one more time and we will have to pivot maybe two more times before the end of the summer. It's definitely been like an <laughs> adapting experience. It really has. Like, um, I remember it's almost like a year ago when everything started to happen and the, the transition for me uh, at that time, not only as a student, but as an instructor, because I was, I was teaching two classes at the time. And so I was like, okay, how can I transition into these new classes? What can I do to make my classes fun and interactive still and still create the rapport that I like to create with my students? And to see, you know, a business like yours um, have similar situations like that too, but but able to keep what makes that special and, and make it even better, 
you know, I think that's what that that's fascinating and that's amazing. And reaching all these different locations around the world too. That is wonderful. And like you said, um, and I, I've seen this through experience too for myself and from like my cousin who, who's uh, in high school and she, you know, she would always be like, I'm bored, I'm bored, I'm bored, you know, and, and they craved like a need for to do something like really, really, they, they miss that social aspect, like you mentioned, Laura, and um, to, to mm-hmm. see, you know, your, your nonprofit create a space like this for for young for young latinas and women uh girls of color you know i i just i'm wowed by it like i'm wowed by it because i think it's so cool that young little girls have this space to not only create and tell their story and their narrative but to socialize and to like you know you know brainstorm with one another and create you know create something bigger and better and inspire each other through the process you know and i want to i want to point like you know we were talking about media literacy before we hit record and Mm -hmm. um how crucial that has been because i think you you know uh media education super cool stem education yeah kids dig that you know they want to like pull things apart and and uh and they want to be with other kids and they love mentorship but i think how Latinita started and how it evolved is like, uh, we've been talking about this, like with a cultural IQ, mm-hmm. it's like beyond emotional intelligence, kind of like, um, uh, I guess in the simplest form, you know, if we're having an event, um, I don't know, we're going to use Selena as a reference, maybe, uh, and we're not going to, we're not going to use Taylor Swift as a reference, <laughs> or we might, we might, but I think that uh, the, having the mentors that, you know, we're like a, a 90%, uh, like, uh, black indigenous, uh, POC office. Mm-hmm. We are a hundred percent POC board of directors. Uh, everything was built with this IQ so that, uh, I think the, you know, when you, we talk about STEM or we talk about 21st century technologies or production, it's like, you need to learn this. You need to get into this. Mm-hmm. Oh, and uh, when you talk about, uh, you know, maybe getting a job in media or production or cinema, you need to figure out how to get into this system. Well, so Latinitas, everything that we were doing, every lesson was like, this story started with you. So every technology comes from indigenous people. It, it, you little girl, you don't have to figure out how to get into that club. Like it's in your DNA. Uh, Mayans made the chocolate, you know. Tainos were net fishing long before any Europeans came to this part of the world. So that we had a 20-year history of that, um, of their story in the story, it's, I think that captured them too. They were like, so when the virtual space opened up, I have to, I don't think everyone had the same experience. We have peers in youth enrichment that shut everything down, uh, even through the fall of last year. Um, they, or they went, you know, maybe they set it up like a helpline. I think we were unsure, were they gonna show up? I think they did because of those reasons. They had already uh, that home, that, uh, that reflection of themselves and the leadership, they're, all that is like a magic formula, I think for a different kind of retention, but there are definitely girls that are coming to our program of all ethnicities, 
because of that, like knowing that maybe if they had felt othered at some point, it was a space where that wasn't going to happen. Um, and so I, I love that, right? I love, <laughs> that's like, yeah. that's our bragging rights now. It, it also was an intense amount of work. I don't want to belittle how, uh, I don't think it's something an organization can just do overnight with DNI training. It is, I mean, we had, we had staff development. We're trying to be, build that leadership within the organization. Mm-hmm. How do you combat imposter syndrome? How do you combat um, somebody with a, maybe a higher anxiety level or stress level? Because she's also contributing to her original family household income. You know, I have yeah. peers in Latinita's leadership in their 40s, their mid to late 40s, and they have just stopped supporting their household of origin, you know, and that'll probably pick up again as their parents age, you know, but um, those are kind of, again, those, in, in, I mean, in mainstream culture, I think invisible, mm-hmm. invisible realities. Um, so I think, yeah, that can be very nuanced too and intuitive. Like it can be, just how an instructor is uh, embraces what a girl says, or maybe dismisses what she says. So yeah, I'm like super proud of that. And that was like, that's on them, right? The the people that are attracted to our programs who help out that's on staff who come in and like, you know, they want to make a difference or they want to, you know, they want to create, they want to perpetuate the mission of Latinitas, um, empower all girls to innovate using media and technology. Um, but I get excited and I know Alicia, my founder, you know, co-founder, we built it. Like, I think that was like right away. We were like, oh, you just got to build the space. You just got to create the space. And maybe that it's got to take economics or but a lot of it was, it, it took just um, uh, staying on the course of the mission because then people were attracted to that and they wanted to help. So I think I, I always feel that way if people are interested in being entrepreneurs or starting a nonprofit or starting something where, yeah, like peer-to-peer mentoring, uh, shape it, build it. Uh, I think especially when it's authentic and genuine, it comes from that place um, like it did for us. Like, okay, we're not seeing this and it's having a diminishing impact on your confidence or my confidence or my cousin's confidence, you know, in compare, you know, in how she grew up Cuban American to compare to how her white cousin grew up, um, how I was perceived, what was expected of me. So I, I'm like, if it, if it does that, where it changed, it changes that, that chemistry. Well, yeah, more people will come and they will want to support that. Um, people will want to point away, they'll be able to point you into directions of making it sustainable. Um, I definitely believe that. I, I mean, I would say that in the beginning, like, I think the money will come. I wasn't quite sure. <laughs> but I also think, you know, we've played a long game too. Mm-hmm. We, uh, you know, back, those original Latinitas that were showing up and learning how to make a magazine or um, you know, producing their own YouTube videos, um, you know, almost 20 years ago. I, I'm the fortunate witness. I get to see how that's manifested. And it is in leadership. And it is in courage. And it is in like, 
those superficial ways, like they're in media or they're at a tech job. Um, but I think it's more powerful that uh, I, w- I was there for the long game. And so there are some people that go into <clears throat> doing equity projects like, well, in a year, this is going to really be <laughs> easier. <laughs> and I think, yeah, just to be honest that it, it will always, it's uh, uh, upturning and de- disrupting sort of biased systems is hard and taxing work um, and perpetual. Um, but I love it. <laughs> and I, was, I was about to say too that, that I, I think if you have a passion and a belief for something, that no matter the obstacles, no matter what it is, you're going to want to push through to see that end goal, you know? And it seems like that with Latinitas for you, Laura. It just, it's, I, I love it. I love it. I think, I think there's a, there's still, yeah, there's, there's systems in foundation giving or even how academia works. Right. Um, and, and, um, but I, I think, that's what we're here for, right? You're, you know, you're creating this podcast or you know, managing a nonprofit. We are just, we are just at, it, it does have impact. I think that too would like frustrate me. I think people were like, well, why are you doing it? When we first launched the magazine, there was people that, why are you doing it online? Uh, oh no, why are you doing it in Spanish and English? So there was that, like, that's patronizing to, you know, children, you know, today are, they're, they're English speakers, or they can speak English. And that just wasn't what we were finding. That wasn't the case. I, that isn't, it still isn't the case. So there's plenty of Spanish dominant students out there that would prefer a, a Spanish language environment. So it was trusting our gut and also letting go of, uh, yeah, magazines fold, um, Custom, you know, consumers are persnickety. Um, we're, we're still going to do it. And I, I, I guess the nonprofit leg of Latinitas, the, the outreach part, it always validated that. It was a, like an ongoing focus group. Um, but yeah, if, you, if you're willing um, and it, it's meaningful, I think there's just so much more to be developed, right? Like in, uh, with that media literate lens, um, I think. Uh, it, it, it still will be a slow process, but there's some, you know, things have caught fire mm-hmm. in the last three to four years. You know, I don't think Donald Trump should get any credit for that, but I do believe like that administration um, was so provocative mm-hmm. that, but I'm not giving him any credit, but I, I'm grateful how provocative it was because there were there were people that would never have been woke who are more woke um oh yeah or got a little wake <laughs> awoken i don't know it's I don't the know. diminutive of woke like a little uh, yeah they're yeah woquito, woquito. they're woquito. just a little i like that that should be a shirt that should be a shirt or a sticker woquito. i like that Wokita. I don't know. It's a thing. It's a thing now. Like it, it, you heard it here first on Academics and Amigos. <laughs> um, that's so cool. Um, I, 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 it's definitely true. Like, and I was curious. Like, um, with like with the twenty year span of Latinitas, you mentioned also that you've seen some of these. Um, 
I don't know if you would call them students or um, these girls that you you've taught along um, the way um, going to tech and media and stuff. Have any of them come back into Latinitas and talked or like like become instructors of Latinitas? Yeah, I love their there's definitely a, you know, we're creating our own ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And so many of the club and the camp graduates have come back to help out a club and camp. Um, I just had a kid, she's like in one of our, <laughs> you know, brochures when she was uh, 10 or 11 and she showed up to help for a project on Saturday and wants to continue to help. And, you know, once, you know, high school comes, they want to be more of a, a leader and a contributor. And then, Something that happened that I always talk about is that we did honor a Latinita at our fundraiser. So it was an outstanding girl who just, you know, just showed amazing, you know, uh, intellect and enthusiasm in her, her camp projects and when she attended conferences. So we honored her. She actually presented a scholarship to an alumni. So we were honoring, like, so the, so we're kind of like uh, deputizing the, the, the Latinita to really like honor, you know, someone who came before her, she's kind of mentoring up, um, giving her a scholarship uh, for uh, law school. She was an El Paso Latinita wow. who uh, was serving in Austin city government as a policy advisor. But the coolest part was that the award, the scholarship was funded by um, a sponsor because one of our Latinitas was uh, a, like a product experience person in that space so that was really good. bumble so then so you have the latinita out there in the field the the latinita emerging as a professional and then the latinita really like handling the whole event <laughs> so, it was like a full circle experience it was and i those are like super cool for me i think i'm as the oldest living latinita i get to i've gotten to see most of the cycle and and that little magic uh keeps kind of popping up uh and i i know there's more of it to come and now i'm grateful like other people can see it too they've been there long enough um that they're starting to have that experience so uh yeah like i said in a superficial yeah it's great to see them out in those spaces in austin at the development tables at the production you know creative table um and then also i guess that they it's a, a but they also feel there's like more like the other land they belong the voice is maybe the most important at the table uh and that they are yeah that they are kind of engaged in part of that uh culture of austin that everybody like i said everybody knows about but if you live here you may not be tuned into right. um and how crucial that is because the, those single voices in those spaces shift where the lens go, they shift, uh, where the, you know, the economic reward goes, uh, how this city is going to like evolve and unfold. Mm -hmm. Um, and the, yeah, the, there's always, um, something <laughs> just when you think people are getting it, you know, <laughs> and I so grateful, right. For all the movements that are, are getting so much more high exposure. Um, but this is the, I think the fastest gentrified city in the whole city, like in the whole country, like next to San Francisco. And so every day there's something that comes up and it's, um, I'm just glad that we're just sort of uh, cultivating the voice that's going to give the pushback. You need the pushback. Yeah. With that being said, like, what do you believe is the future of Latinitas? 
Yeah, like I, what's happening now is a lot of growth. So uh, we could we're gonna continue to leverage the how virtual has accelerated our programs outside of our immediate uh, central Texas geography. How do we connect that to a physical presence when that is the case, you know, or a hybrid presence? Um, and then I, I mean, I like. The, the internally we're building too, right? So that growth comes the, the staff growth. And it is to me refreshing and exciting, maybe to me most of all, starting this with one other person to know now there's 20 people or 30 people involved if you count other cities and um, just on a staff level. And then the hundreds of volunteers that engage or repeat and come back as a mentor, um, a career presenter or a a teaching artist or producer. Um, so I think it's the, I think it's like the, if you build it, it will grow, like really kind of works. Like I know that's Feel the dreams. this cliche movie, uh, but it has been very real for us. Um, it happened with our coding school. I was really unsure you know, I'd saw, you know, I would always get asked a lot by coding schools, hey, we got spots and they're discounted. You have any Latinas? We have no Latinas. And I'm like, I, I can't just be like, hey, go over there and, and take a, a really complex coding class. So we began this ramp up program, which is a preliminary to that, or really like a standalone web design course. Um, and I wasn't sure because something has happened where there is an awakening um, and there has been enough attention that um, there have been non-traditional spaces that girls ought to navigate and there has been enough facilitation. So I think early on in Latinitas, maybe it was more of a fight to enroll students in coding, maybe just competing with parents' interest. Um, and also the foreignness of it, right? Like your kid going into tech was the same as your kid becoming an entrepreneur, an artist. Like you want to be an artist? Me, like there's no money. Like it wasn't, I started a nonprofit with Alicia. Do you think our parents were excited? They were like <laughs> terrified. So there, you know, so culturally, I think things have shifted as far as like, oh, that's a, that's a viable, meaningful. Time. So where Cochica was hard to enroll students early on, now it's like, there's like a waiting list. So I'm really like a huge fan. Like, all right, what else can we build? And they will come. And, um, and is it entrepreneurial learning? But like, again, within the, like the construct of, you know, Latinitas holistic, culturally IQ rich, you know, kind of style. Um, not assuming that people can do a, a, a first round of fundraising uh, with friends and family, if they have a product they want to launch, you know, again, dismantling these practices that aren't really working for many people. They're just working for a few people. And, you know, I feel like those, those very like intensely male white bastions, they have the answer to their own question. Why aren't you seeing anyone else but yourself there? Well, because you're not willing to go, like I said, are you in it for the long game? Mm -hmm. Are you, are you creating those? Oh, you want to have a diverse staff? Do you have opportunities to build leadership for persons that are doing it for the first time? So I think like 
I'm super proud of that. Like we come to the table with that. We come to the table with a transnational point of view, a bilingual point of view, a bilingual mind. Right. Very menacing, right? (laughs) And from the beginning too with a magazine. (laughs) So we don't have to learn all that. So we don't have to get caught up in that. So yeah, I think, I don't know where, what else in other ways we're growing, but like, um, but I, I can explore those opportunities and I'm not really getting as an organization hung up in the, uh, oh my God, we have to diversify our team. Oh my God, are we relevant? Um, I would like to make myself obsolete, of course, as a, I think if you want a thing to live on beyond you, you ought to do that. And founder syndrome is a real thing, <laughs> like where you don't let go of your, your entity. And, um, and that's what I kind of put my uh, focus on. Like, who's there? Latina leadership coming down the pipeline. Um, are we making sure that space? And we are, and it's happened and it's really, you know, and I'll, I'll still be there like the mom, like, what do you want me to do? Like, what do you need me to do? And, and that, that makes me excited too. Cause there's more, there's more, you know, as creators, uh, I, I'm also like a lifelong learner you know, Anthony, you know, if you're in grad school, that's, that's who you are. Like there's more to do. Um, and so it'd be great to kind of like, yeah, have this, somebody else take the reins and, uh, but with less headaches than maybe we, we had to go through. I guess that's the parent into me too. Like, the yeah, I would like this to be easier. I want you to do this job, not this job and four other jobs. Um, like we, you know, we had to do that when we started it, but now we can, um, it can be like a really uh, meaningful profession, but with the quality of life part. That's awesome. I'm the queen of long answers, Anthony. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's great for a podcast. It's great for a podcast. So it's amazing. Like, What I'm- do you want to know? Like, what do you know? I'm good. You know, as a I, you know, I came from media and I came from yeah. tech. So I, I just have like a natural desire to like turn the interview uh, table back to the interviewee. Um, yeah. Is there something that's like not, I'm not illustrating well. And no, I work? think you're illustrating everything like great. Like that's why like, like I had like a lot of questions written and like, I was like, wow, she answered that for me. She answered that for me. So I'm like, that's awesome. So like you're it's, you're the perfect guest like for a podcast because you you've been able to give all this history and information and everything that 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 um I I wanted to know about without me having to kind of like you know like okay you know like pull pull the string I guess you know well good good I mean we've been talking a lot I've been meeting with my fellow you know there's other communities of color led and and founded organizations in Austin that have the same vibe as us. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, we're, we're all kind of learning like, oh, we're, we've got, you know, what we, what wasn't getting noticed before is getting recognized as a strength. Definitely. And um, yeah, we're, t- we're definitely talking about the um, also just uh, rethinking nonprofit, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, at the very least, like you're not, these aren't sad little children. They're like, you know, they're the innovation, you know, they're again, that bilingual mind, mm-hmm that unique point of reference. Um, they have a whole kind of like criteria of what are the next problems that need to be solved. They care. They're so into like the most important things, right? Like climate change and gender equity, um, even as little munchkins, you know, second, third, fourth grade, 
So yes, can we get away from this lack or like, oh, we have to save black and brown kids. It's like they're saving us, <laughs> you know. They're and I literally think of this, the future. They are. I think of the students in Parkland. Mm-hmm. They're speaking on my behalf, on my fears of public shootings or, or um, you know, uh, pollution and, uh, oh, yeah. you know, social justice. Yeah. So can we really rethink, can we reinvest? Can we invest in those persons? Um, I mean, I'm of a radical mind of like, do I need to fill out any more grant applications? Because I feel like, you know, we're the we're 100%, we're the only 100% bilingual STEM education mm-hmm. nonprofit in Austin. I don't even, you know, maybe a handful nationally. Mm-hmm. Um, we are, you know, 93% of the girls go to high school, 81% identify as a college student. We're not, we're not vetting them. This isn't a parent program. We're, we're exclusively in underfunded schools. So like, it, it, it's, it doesn't take rocket science. I mean, this kid, it's like a mentor, inclusion, being seen. The formula is pretty, is pretty simple. Awesome. So yeah, can we just, so what if we didn't look at it as like these poor little children and more like, uh, let's just invest more there because there's more, there's gonna, I mean, the fruits, of what we're going to gain, um, uh, it's going to outweigh. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know how to package that to a funder. It's just, I, I do feel like we have proven nonprofits in general have proven, you know, how much more do you need to trust us? <laughs> we are doing so much with less. Um, yeah. and academia is the same way. It's like, how much yeah. Why, you know, we're doing the homework. Uh, <laughs> we are providing you the research. Right. We are doing it at a at a low, low discount price. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I feel like, can we just switch it up totally? Can we just change say, the narrative? It is. It's like, it's, it's, it's philanthropy. It's not, it's, uh, it's, they're helping you. <laughs> they're, it, it, it's like, it, it is like that because like like whenever I teach a class I realize how much I learn from them as much as I am teaching them it's so mutual it is Mm -hmm. a mutual mutual dynamic and um I think that's one of the aspects I love about being an educator or in education that that uh, rapport and the dynamic that is created by being in a classroom or in an educational setting Mm -hmm. you know and it's 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 hard to explain but you have to have that passion and ironically i've, I've probably mentioned it multiple times before in the, the podcast that it <laughs> i didn't want to follow in my family's footsteps i didn't want to be an educator but lo and behold like my life and my trajectory came and i fell into it i fell into it and it was one of the like i didn't realize how much i loved it until i became a, a tutor first and I was like, you know what, this is cool. And then mm-hmm. once I got into the PhD program and started being in, uh, an instructor for classes, I was like, oh my God, yeah, this is amazing. This is great. And so it literally is something that's in my blood <laughs> that, mm-hmm. that it's just that passion's there, the, the love to help others is there. And throughout this whole conversation too, peer mentoring, peer mentoring is so, so important. And the guidance that, that I've had throughout my life with whether it be my family, um, it, my teachers, advisors, 
like different people along the way, peer mentoring is so, so important. And to see Latinitas do what you all are doing with things that kids love so much too, like kids love technology. Like, mm-hmm. like they love technology and they're going to gravitate towards it. And so I just think that that program that you all started is so, it's just like amazing is an understatement for it. It's, it's, it's beyond amazing. It's, it's, I don't, I think, I don't even know a word for it. It's just, well, it's, that manifestation thing, like you said, like it was unconscious, right? Like mm-hmm. as much as you wanted to be like, listen, I want to do my own thing. You guys are teachers and I want to try something else. And I had the same issue. Like my parents are, they didn't get to go to college, but my dad documented the whole rebuilding of the World Trade Center, the the Freedom Tower. He had worked in the building next door. He had survived. Uh, He had left work like minutes before the plane crashes happened and the collapse. So he was pretty, you know, he may have some PTSD that kind of Mm-hmm. made him want to document the mm-hmm. rebuild um and i'm like dad you're like a document you know a documentary you know a documentary maker no i'm not or my mom every time someone dies like they get this long thing that she writes and it's eloquent and beautiful my you're a writer no i'm not and i so again like there's there's things that unconsciously manifest and then i'm like super jazzed about like okay so then we're bringing in this other part like okay we have a little conference but they have to be entrepreneurial and create a a business for good and they got to use media and tech to make it happen and right so their third grade it's like uh we're planting a seed i don't know how that's going to look later but i know it's going to look amazing right or they read they watch a movie and they go yeah how come all the latinas in here are you know overly sexual or they're they don't have a main role like they are a little (laughs) their little databases and how that'll manifest later. And, and you know, because the world needs more diverse voices in media. We learn that too. It's, it's going to, it's a preservation of democracy. It's a preservation of, um, you know, what it is to be American. Um, so I, I love the, I love that, right? There's the, the, the conscious manifestation, and then there's these unconscious ones. And, and some of them are le- like, I remember my, you know, you have like a, your mom's friend bakes and mm-hmm. you go bake with them or something. And, and then, oh, why do I like to bake? Okay, now I know. Or my dad showed me how to play handball. They're from New York City. So they did all those weird city sports, oh, bowling, yeah. handball, amazing roller skaters and dancers. Like, <laughs> but, you know, as, as, you know, suburban kids in New Jersey, dad, what the, where the hell are we going to play handball? But do I play like uh, a lot of racket sports with my kid? Yeah. Like there's something it's, it shows up later. So I can't wait for that. It's, it's starting to happen because they're aging into, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a college level or a professional level age. And then there's more coming um, that I'm super psyched about. <laughs> I can imagine that's super cool. Well, to, to, end our conversation Laura because this is awesome and I've learned so much about Latinitas and like the history of it and what you're all doing and stuff but is there any other information you want to share about Latinitas like how can people get involved with Latinitas um or anything like that of course of course so I love like we love participation now on a virtual level it's totally possible we need uh persons that just want to come in and be you know helpful in a program or also 
you know, career presenters, academic presenters. And so um, you can go to latinitasonline.org and there's, you know, there's a volunteer form there. It'll also, you know, on the website, it'll advertise like what, what program's coming up and um, all ranges. I mean, sometimes we just need people who want to be there with a girl to kind of walk her through her idea. And then others that maybe are working in interesting careers in media, tech, um, STEM, uh, public leadership, the arts, um, to, you know, show them the reflection of those roles that, you know, who those real people are that do those jobs. Um, there's year round experiences for that. And then, um, yeah, just stay tuned. But, you know, we're at uh, Latinitas on Twitter. We're at Latinitas on Facebook. And uh, you can kind of see what's going on programmatically there. And we plan to continue to grow. Um, I feel like places like College Station, uh, outside of Houston, we're doing programs. I mean, girls are showing up from Laredo, El Paso, Fort Worth, um, of course, San Antonio, and then other smaller towns in Texas. So I just, I feel like that's where we're, we're going to continue to grow in the state. And then we're, we've been had students showing up from 25 other states in the last couple of events. So uh, we're going to see where that, you know, how we can leverage that into a physical experience in those places. That's awesome. I can't wait to see what happens. And um, I'm super thankful and super grateful that um, um, I was able to have this conversation with you, Laura. So thank you so much for being a guest on Academics on Mules. Thanks, Anthony. Super great to meet you. I appreciate it. Again, special thank you to Laura Donnelly of Latinitas for being a guest on this week's Academics and Amigos. For more on Latinitas, visit latinitasmagazine.org or follow them on social media. They are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and Snapchat. For more on Academics on Amigos, be sure to check out the website www.arramirez.com slash Academics and Amigos. And be sure to follow us on all our social media platforms. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We're also on TikTok now, so be sure to follow us on TikTok at Academics Amigos. This episode was hosted, produced by Anthony Ramirez. Also special thanks to Kyle Colgazer for all his help. Until next time, my friends. Hasta luego. Be cool and stay awesome.